couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. Hey, welcome back to Wheel of Randy number one randy newman podcast in the world whether you're a randy super fan are new to his work or just know the hits we hope this is a place where you can come and learn a little bit more about the man himself my name is dan wade and i'm your host wheel of randy is a part of the good trash media podcast network and is brought to you by wade engineering Wait, that's my last name. That's weird. Let's start the show. It's Wheel of Randy. We got a two-for-one special today, folks. We have, oh my goodness, Lucas Wilson, right? Why am Correct. I blanking out on your name? I've known you over half my life, but Lucas Wilson and then his partner, his work partner, Doug, they are here to spin the wheel. Thanks for coming here today, guys. Very welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, super happy to be here, man. It's a great way to end the week for us. Lucas and I uh, went to high school together. Uh, he was three or four years ahead of me, but was, was, was always a kind mentor to me and uh, was a always a, a real real funny guy real sharp guy and and was on the top of my list to to do this and he invited Doug on Lucas and Doug apparently have have a lot of back and forth about Randy Newman versus Billy Joel what's the controversy there guys well it all started one dark brooding day in our office um, if I remember correctly we were in our office <clears throat> If I remember correctly, and Doug can jump in, I think I put on some Billy Joel on like the speaker in our office. He was like, and he was like, uh, "Dan, can can we use profane words on on the podcast?" Uh, I'll bleep if necessary, but okay. we PG thirteen <laughs> normally. But don't don't worry. All right, all right. Dan, Doug was like, "What is this bullshit?" I was like, "Dude, <laughs> dude, this is this is Billy Joel. This is a great song. This is one of his epics." And and Doug was like, "No." No, man, no. And Doug was like, you want a songwriter? Let's talk about Randy Newman. And then and then Doug and I, a lot of our work involves music, so we got into just sort of this epic discussion about Randy Newman and Billy Joel. And then it just morphed into a thing. I mean, we do a lot of, in our work, we do a lot of um, music shows. We do a virtual reality live broadcasting of, of music shows. We've been all over the world and dealt with crews all over the world. And at almost every public place that we go where we deal with people, at some point in time, we find a chance to ask people. And all we ask them is, Randy Newman or Billy Joel? And it's, it's, <laughs> it's just funny. It's, and it generates such a wild variety of answers. I mean, Doug can, Doug can go off on a, on a couple, of, couple of the sort of the epic ones that we've had. I'll, I'll let you take, it for, take the wheel for a minute, Doug. Well, uh, he... It's accurate that the answer uh, for when Billy Joel is never. Um, so, but we have we have asked this question globally to people, and the the diversity of answers. I mean, the most heated Billy Joel fans to the most heated Randy Newman fans, 
really it spans it spans every possible gamut you can imagine. Um, we were what was the it was going to say the, tenacious was, D. Yeah, the D. We after the tenacious D show, we were all drinking in the in a bar. Um, I think we were in Minneapolis, and I, as per usual, I'm like you know before we really start to get into the the bottle, I should ask you guys all a question and. You're not allowed to put any context around it. That's kind of a rule. Um, both Lucas and I honor no context. It's just a straight question. Answer it. Billy Joel or Randy Newman. And the Tenacious D guys were started their own, uh, you know, argument amongst themselves, good-natured. And I, I heard later that that discussion continued on the tour bus all through North America. <laughs> that they you know they took their sides and they brought it up the way lucas and i bring it up uh so it it has been a great deal of fun and it has brought up uh, people send us if they find a randy newman thing or they find a billy joel thing they mail it to us or email it to us or show it to us and it's uh it's taken on a life of its own without any doubt and there are definitely parts of the world that are randy places and there are definitely places in the world that are billy places and and uh, and the tenacious D guys. It was just funny because they're professional musicians, right? So they they went they went deep. And they took it really seriously and were like, it was it was a thing. But we were up <laughs> until sun. Yeah, I mean, Lucas wasn't there, but we were up until sunrise. The sun was rising four or five hours later. <laughs> we were still talking about the nuances of song and piano playing and Eastern versus Western seaboards. And I, I mean, it really was actually one of the better uh, nights of, of musical conversation, camaraderie and uh, a mixture of uh, alcohol and sun rising. It was, it was a pleasure. I would do that again uh, twice on Sundays. I'll, I'll try to make peace here and say that both artists uh, share the, 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 the quality that you have to stick your neck out a little bit to admit you're a fan, especially if 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 you're with if you're with uh, too cool crowd. Well, well, it's funny because when when you emailed me, I was when you emailed me and said, "Hey, man, I'm doing this podcast." Blah 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 blah. At first, honestly, I, at first I thought it was a setup because I was like, "There's no way." I mean, it's too specific that a friend of mine is doing a Randy Newman podcast. I thought somehow Doug or one of our crew had gotten a hold of you somehow and was, and this was a windup of some kind because the, it, it would, it's taken on such a legendary status in our company that it would not be out of character for one of our guys to go to great lengths to do a thing like this. Right. And, and, and then I was like, no, this is not a windup. This is just the universe spinning the wheel so to speak and and this is just what what is happening and i i pinged doug i was like dude you're never going to believe this and i sent him your text about about doing the randy newman podcast and, and our entire crew just got a freaking huge kick out of it that's that's a wild coincidence that really is so how did you get to be such a what what started it for you dan how did you get to be such a randy newman fan well um Probably seven or eight years ago, I picked up a copy of A Thousand One Albums to listen to Before You Die, okay. uh, because I realized I've been listening to the same three or four records all my life. And uh, I said, you know, I'm not going to be a completist here, but but I'm going to go through this as much as I could. And I was surprised to see that there were 
I think three Randy records on there. Um, and, you know, like most people, all I knew about him was, was you know, uh, for lack of a better word, the novelty songs and, and the soundtrack work. So I was surprised to see that, that, that he had so many albums that were on this, you know, highly respected list. And so that's when I slowly started getting into him. And then probably three or four years ago, uh, I started, you know, diving deeper into it. Uh, because I realized that it was time for me to start playing piano again. Uh, when the kids were young, it didn't make sense, but now that they're grown, you know, it's time for me to, to get, get back into it. And I've always played, I've always attempted stuff above my skill level. And it's always been a frustrating process. Uh, so I got, you know, his anthology, which, you know, it, it, there's there's stuff that's very tricky for me, but there's also stuff on there that's manageable for me, and it's giving me uh, something to to practice that 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 is at my skill level, which is you know an, an act of kindness that as a player I haven't normally done. I've I I bought that I can see it behind your shoulder that Chopin Etudes book and it just kicked my butt, um, yeah. but but the Randy anthology I can handle. And I saw you. I saw a YouTube thing that you did a while ago of you playing Louisiana. It was nice. Thank you. It's it in, in in quarantine. I, I think we're we're all hungering to create. You know, normally I, I I do an open mic on Sunday nights, and that's not possible anymore. So so just doing doing that has has given me a, a little bit of a creative outlet. So that's been nice. Where do you, where do you do your open mic? Uh, there's a, a bar in downtown Oklahoma City that's kind of the 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 the, the alt comic headquarters around here, and so we get together on Sunday nights and goof around. I miss well, them very much. Well, it's well, it's nice to it's nice to be able to to bond over bond over some some music, and then and then what made you? I'm I'm just curious. What made you wanted to do a? I mean, doing a podcast about any subject is is an undertaking. And what made you decide that you know what I'm going to do a Randy Newman podcast? What what was the what was the process that led to that? I found that any time I I brought Randy up on on Twitter or something, I would get very passionate responses uh, from people that knew him, and I also had a lot of people that said, "I know I'm supposed to know about him, but I've never gotten into him." And so I I I set the, this podcast up kind of. You know the super fans are certainly welcome, but that this is is kind of a friendly way to introduce people to to you know a wider variety of the stuff. Cool. So tell me about Oculus. Tell 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 me tell me about some of the stuff y'all are doing. I, I see I see posts you make now and then. It's like this looks like the coolest job ever. Tell tell me what y'all do. How would you describe it, Doug? Uh, we, that's a good, I wasn't expecting a work question on my, uh, on my Randy Newman weekend. Uh, we, you know, we do live, we do virtual reality live broadcasts amongst other things. Um, Lucas, uh, the, the company is called Supersphere. So Oculus is one of our clients amongst oh, okay. them. Um, and, but Supersphere, I, I think it's fair to say is a, is a, if not, you know, a world-class, a leading uh, provi- 
provider of live music in virtual reality. And uh, the primary place for people to see our work um, is inside of an application called Venues, which was created and uh, operated by Oculus, which is owned by now Facebook. Um, but it's a wonderful platform and it's a social experience where if you go into the headset, you can, um, you can actually meet people in the headset, talk to them, they have avatars. Uh, Lucas can talk more in depth about it, but the baseline bread and butter of our work is live music and uh, in a virtual reality format. And it's, um, and it's a lot of fun. We go off and we, we do, um, as, as production people, a lot of times we reach out to artists that we want to work with. Um, and we go through the business part of getting the content and acquiring the content and distributing it and doing all that stuff. But um, at a certain level, it's just, it, it's really wonderful because a, a tremendous amount of our professional world and our time is spent thinking about music and thinking about how to how to represent artists creatively and how to give them a new way of doing things and, and it's a lot of fun and Doug and I have both I think it's safe to say that Doug and I have both had a lot of great experiences around around the world doing working with a lot of cool artists that we that we respect and and like and a lot of times discovering new artists that we didn't know that we would like and then we see them live and we're like wow they're solid and um, and it's you know we get to go see a lot of we've we've worked with a lot of um, a lot of interesting people and done a lot of interesting projects. I mean Doug uh, Doug went to Paul McCartney's house and in Sir Paul McCartney's house in the in the south of England and I went and met Paul um, backstage at, at a show in, in Milwaukee and we've seen Post Malone and Billie Eilish and metal bands Clutch and uh, and been all over the place Nashville Spain. We Asian, used to, Denmark has been great. I remember you just reminded me, but there was a way we used to uh, talk to each other where, you know, for quite some time, nothing new in the musical um, event area, you know, you could go see a band at a club or at an arena or at a stadium. And along comes this ability to do something otherworldly in the, in a headset in VR spatial, you know, uh, experience you know meeting people and so that was the first breakthrough of a new way to experience music in i don't know a hundred years or something and you know lucas you and i used to talk about that 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 this this was a way for us to develop and create the rules of how people can experience music in a new way like really forward thinking um future uh experience and uh being music fans that was super exciting like there was no before this ability there was not this thing and now there is and uh we were pioneers in that you know avenue yeah and doug and i are both huge music geeks and music nerds and and two of our um two two of our good friends and guys that were in the company with us for for a while josh and jason diamond are also huge music nerds and so the four of us would just geek out and it was it was fun that we had a that we had a job that we could also just uh, observe our passions it was fun it's a it, it is a it is a, it's like any job that it has its good points and its bad points but i think the good points far far outweigh the bad points we have more good days than we have bad days that that's that's for sure and, and there every single show there comes a moment where we kind of look at each other and our heads are bobbing and we're smiling and it's like we get paid to do this. 
<laughs> yep. It's like, cool. This is fun. That is yep. a great feeling. Are you both based out of Los Angeles? We are. Okay. Doug, Doug is a Doug is a lifelong Angelino, and I've been living in L.A. for actually 20 years this year. All right. Well, then I'm obligated to ask, as I do for all L.A. residents on this show, your take on I Love L.A. and why so many people there take it at face value. I'll let Doug go first because he is the true Angelino here. Um, you know, that the song has been used uh, for Laker games and sporting games for so long that it's probably lost its original satirical you know, feeling that I, when I heard it the first time as an Angelino, it's a great city song. You know, it's a great cheering, uh, boosterism song. Uh, and if you don't want to get microscopic on what a particular word or lyric or phrase means, uh, I've always just taken it as a feel good, um, as a feel good song about Los Angeles. And I don't really take it very seriously. Uh, and it's become more of a sports anthem, the way we will rock you or we are the champions, you know, are they always play that when someone you know, sort of wins a championship, but I know Lakers games, they, they play it every single game, uh, before and after. Really? Yeah. If you go to a Lakers Wait, game, every single Lakers game? that's, that's a Lakers song and it's a song at Dodger stadium and this good song at the Rams. If now that the Rams have come back and the LA Kings, I mean, it's, it's become the anthem for anything that's based here in LA, but I've never taken it seriously. It's just a fun song. Uh, when it comes on the radio, I turn it up big busty redhead by my side. And I know all the streets that he's talking about and you know, it's where I was born and raised. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that's the answer to uh, your question about my take on it, but it, it's a fun song to hear. I don't get really tired of it, but I don't take it too seriously. It's just a good time song. Yeah, I think Randy, I mean, Randy and his family are, are Angelina royalty. You know? oh, yeah. So I think, I think that he, uh, he's, I, I don't, I don't know how seriously he takes it either. I mean, LA is a funny place. You know, you could be sitting there and you're in the lap of luxury and across the street, there's homeless camps uh and you're drinking champagne and and so there's a messaging in there about how we can be so yeah you know enjoying the the fruits of uh, of success while other people are not enjoying it right next to us but i i actually think that could be said about cities all over the world and and oh, different, absolutely. You know, people so it's not it's not an la based phenomena um it's a it's a good fun song okay we can leave it at that. All right. Lucas, Doug, what song have you brought for us to talk about today? Well, we argued about it for a while, and we sort of we, we narrowed our list down to like four or five different songs. And I think, uh, what did we come up with, Doug? Political science. Political science. That is correct. I am shocked. This is episode 15. I am shocked it's taken this long for someone to pick political science. Uh it was sort of a no-brainer, but for for me, uh, but we did we uh, we had we had good songs on the list. Every every one of them it was a good song, but this one seemed uh, really apropos for the for the moment. Extraordinary. Audience, let, take a quick pause and 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 pull up political science off the album "Sail Away." There's a link on our Twitter page, uh, and once you've listened to that once or twice, come back and we'll talk this over.
Campdown races sing this song. Do da do da. Okay, guys. Political science. This is one that uh, I like to give to people to introduce them to Randy. I think it's very accessible. First, Randy song. What do y'all think, Lucas? You know, I, I think it's as accessible as any other Randy as any other Randy song in sort of his political oeuvre, oeuvre, which is quite a few of his songs. If you don't know Randy Newman, if you don't know sort of his take on life, it melodically and harmonically, it's a nice, easy song. It has sort of his ragtimey feel that he has to so much of his music. And if you're not paying attention, like a lot of his songs, if you're not paying attention, it just kind of breezes by you. And then once you start paying attention, you're like, this is deep. What is he saying? And, and, and then you just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. It, actually, it's a pretty, I hadn't thought about it before, but now that you say it, it is a good introductory song because it's, uh, it's got the whimsy of his most whimsical, but it's also got his most you know, biting satire mixed into it. So that's a good choice. That's a good introductory. I might put that in my back pocket if you don't mind. I'll steal it. Sure. I've heard several people say that that it was the first one they'd heard and they'd heard it on Dr. Demento in the late <laughs> 70s. So apparently it was in heavy rotation there. Well, what, well, well wait, was Dr. <clears throat> Demento uh, U.S. or I always felt like that was something we heard in L.A. But no, he's, he's syndicated nationally. Okay, oh, dude. I listen. I heard Doctor Demento growing up in Huntsville, Alabama. It was every Sunday it was night. Thing. Yeah, every Sunday night. Uh, out here, it was after Jim Lab. It was so yeah, du- late. You know, Dan. Dan brings up an interesting question. Do you remember your first Randy song, Doug? Do you remember the first time you sort of became aware of Randy? Um. Well, it's hard. It's hard. It's, that's a tough question to answer because my my memory takes me back to being in my mom's station wagon and, you know, AM radio. And you used to hear, you know, short people uh, a lot was on the radio. And I think that might have been something that we sang along in the car. But my dad was a very, very left wing guy. And, and he had all of Randy's albums at the time. Uh, so when I was probably six, seven, eight years old. So 70, 70, 71, 71, 72, 73, around that era. Uh, he would, he would play Randy Newman. And I'm sure I, I knew who he was before I actually knew that I knew who he was, but short people and that kind of stuff is what comes to mind on the radio. I actually became aware of Randy through his, cause I'm not an LA guy. Right. So I became aware of Randy through his covers before, but through other people covering him before I, before I became aware of him proper. Like my first, the first Randy Newman song I can remember listening to was um, Joe Cocker's cover of You Can Leave Your Hat On. Sure. Um, and, and, then, and then after that was Aaron Neville in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the original of You Can Leave Your Hat On. I was like, oh, this is way better. I mean, Joe Cocker's version is rocking. Then I heard the original. I was like, oh, wow, this is way better. Totally and different. Started, and then I started diving into Randy. <laughs> My, my first experience was uh, James Coco did short people on the Muppet show and I was probably six and I was so tickled with it and, and started singing it around the house. And my mother was just horrified. <laughs> yeah. I think that's I a, remember like a good one. told me not to come. <laughs> that was a staple on the radio. I mean, you know, he really, he did have four five, six songs that were played in heavy, heavy rotation out here. Uh, and 
I think we we sang them all in the car. We might have had an A-track. As, as, wow. as for political science, I don't know. Um, I, I, like I've said, I was late to the Randy game, but my first exposure to this song was Jennifer Holliday's version that she did on Allie McBeal. Are y'all, do y'all remember that? We were just talking about that earlier. Uh, I did, I, I remember it only after you mentioned it and I went and looked it back up again, but I, I had a good friend who was the foreman for the set construction on the show. So I was an Allie McBeal fan. I did not remember it off the top of my head, but you posed the question to us. So I went back and looked up the episode uh, season and episode uh, of that particular scene when they're in the gospel uh, uh, setting mm-hmm. and uh, and it kind of came back to me like one of those memories that you think you remember but you just watched it so maybe you sort of remembered it and and i was actually never a big honestly i was never a big i remember it being on but i was never a big ally mcbeal fan so i just that was it was that was a completely new thing to me i'm curious i, I my wife and i were, were big ally mcbeal fans and i i as as we saw this friends revival come about and you know my everyone uh, in my daughter's age really getting into friends. I kept wondering when's the Ali McBeal revival going to happen. And I think it's the music rights that are keeping that from, 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 from being in heavy rotation anymore. Cause it was a, a musically heavy, heavy thing. That is, that's a reasonable, that, that's a very reasonable guess. There are a lot of movies and a lot of shows that, that are good. That's good stuff that you can't really get because of the music rights. Alan McBeal was fun. It was a good show. Yeah. Even hearing that, I didn't realize that it was a Randy song. Uh, it it kind of stuck in my head. Uh, and then I heard it again in the closing credits for uh, Blast from the Past, which was that uh, Brendan Fraser movie, uh, yeah. which had some, some nuclear Holocaust themes to it, which is why they got Brendan, that in. Brendan Fraser. Damn. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. I forgot to thank you for your uh, your playlist today. I didn't realize there were all those covers, and I've listened to it a few times. It was it's actually I'm just going to keep it because it's good. It's good to listen to. The Natalie Merchant one I didn't know about. That was that's a that's a solid one. That that's is solid. a solid one. And Natalie, I, I I find that she takes herself a little too seriously, so it was kind of refreshing to to hear her do a satirical piece here. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't a big fan of the Pedro the Lion one, but I liked the Natalie one a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've posted the lyrics in the chat. Uh, if there are particular lines that that, that y'all want want to 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 go to here, I, you know, at at least for me, there's 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 no particular line that the the thing that all that jumps out at me about political science, honestly, like a lot of Randy songs, is that he wrote this like. It, it, in the in the middle of in the middle of the downfall, the when the Vietnam War was reaching a crescendo in in the U.S. and he wrote it when he was third, 29 or thirty years old, um, and and sort of I put myself into the mindset again of being twenty nine or thirty and of seeing the seeing chaos all around me, and 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 being able to compose something like this. And but the thing is, so many of his songs. This, this song is just as relevant, if not more relevant today than it was in, in 70, when did it come out? 72, 73, 72, I think. Seven, 72. Yeah. 
So it's just as relevant today as it was in 72, and I think that's the mark more than anything of, of a truly epic songwriter is you hear something many, many, many years later, and, and, it's, and it hits you just as hard. That's really tricky with any kind of political content. You know, nor- normally any kind of political satire is is, is dated you know, almost immediately. And uh, you have, well, the extreme example is Vaughn Meter, that that uh, that one, once that certain political era is gone, you know, the record's no longer relevant. But you're right, this is absolutely fresh. Uh, whenever I play this at open mic, I, I apologize at the end and say uh, next week I'll I'll sing something a little more relevant, and they, they appreciate that. <laughs> it's uh, it's hard for young. I I have two kids, and Lucas has two kids. Um, for and not even just kids, but for people who weren't who who didn't grow up in the in the sixties and seventies. But um, I personally feel that there's a a a, a a chasm, a dearth of of true satire. We don't really have that kind of literature anymore or songwriting or comedy for that matter i don't think uh, even saturday night live has jumped the shark on on being the kind of a show that it was in the early days but there was um you know coming out of the the 60s there was just a, a vast amount like i don't know if you remember guido sarducci he's a guy named don bello you know but he 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 used to write letters to corporations like Dow Chemical and he would, he would be posing it like as if he was a fan and they'd write him back. And uh, he made a book out of those letters, his letter and their response. And uh, that whole Gonzo writing of Hunter Thompson and Tom Wolfe. And, you know, although Lenny Bruce was dead, he was, he was a, a comic that used satire. And to, to have that, even all in the family as a TV show, but to have that kind of a world where it was kind of common and you were, even as a kid, you were attuned to satire. Maybe that's why growing up in a house that had that, uh, you know, really going on around us that I have an appreciation for Randy because nobody else really did that musically. I think he's with arguably to me, the standout satirical songwriter that there is maybe ever was. So this song's a great example of it. Um, Now you got me thinking of of who else is out there. That's that sort of is in a satirical, I don't know, genre. And I can't, I can't really, I can't really, nobody just leaps out at me. It's really, it's really odd. I mean, I'm, I'm the oldest one here by a little bit, but I mean, I I was surrounded with, and I, Lucas, you might've seen that book, but Paul Krasner used to have a, a, a little stapled together uh, pamphlet newsletter that he would mail out called the realist. And it was nothing yep. but satire. And my dad was a charter subscriber. And uh, like that was our bathroom reading. It was always in a stack with books uh, in the bathroom or on the kitchen table. And that was the kind of humor. That's, that's what we thought was funny around the household. And uh you just there isn't anybody doing that kind of thing now not musically or any other way i don't know lucas can you think of anyone that, that like where where did the form go there is but it's just so different i mean it's um you know satire now is is memes right that's the only thing i can, that's the thing that i can think of that that comes close to it but it but it's much more um it's much more of the moment and <laughs> transient and not as erudite Right, it's it's taking something that's uh, 
that's very immediate and then and focusing on it and turning it into a thing. But if you look at it a year later, you have no idea what it was. Right. But that's the only thing as far as satire. That's the only thing that I think my kids, for instance, that's, that's the only satire that they know is memes. Uh, you know, most of my background is in stand-up, and uh, you know Eddie Pepitone certainly uh, you know is trying to fill that need. But you know Eddie is what late fifties, early early sixties. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's he's been around a while. Yeah, I think Patton Oswalt has certainly, uh, especially during during the the Second Gulf War, certainly had his political peak. But yeah, I'm not seeing it right now. I think a lot of that is that there's just such fatigue politically right now. But it isn't like it went away four years ago or eight years ago or 12 years ago. But you're right. We, these are extraordinary times, not just politically, but with, with health uh, and with uh, just things going on globally. I, I, I personally don't want to get political over political science, but this, this, this song, you could get mighty political with it. Uh, you had asked about our favorite line, and I thought that my favorite line actually is just, they're all going to hate us anyhow. Because when, when we travel, sometimes I just say I'm Canadian. Uh, yeah, it's just easier. <laughs> yeah, they told us that in the 90s when, when we're in Europe. You know, If you're going to hitchhike, get yourself a Canadian flag. Yeah. When the conversation comes, depending on uh, how I'm reading the room, uh, you know, I don't really want to get into it. I'm we're, I'm Canadian. Uh, good day, mate. Hey, Bruce. I'm Sheila, <laughs> Australian. We uh, yeah, we travel to a lot of international destinations, and things are very heavy right now. Um, and and we deal with musicians, a lot of musicians, and music is a very it can be a very socially socially aware medium, and it's um it's it, it's a thing. It's something that we have to take into account when we travel and when we do work. I don't know if you feel this way, Lucas, but I could see this as a stump speech. I could see this currently on a, on a, at a, uh, you know, on, on the campaign trail being spoken by a certain person. hundred percent. Let's drop the big one now, man. And well, actually, that, actually that I brings think, up I, a question. You know, they, they say that there's no uh, satire that's so ridiculous that someone won't take it at face value. How easily could someone, you know, take this and and, and turn it into a a a, a rah rah jingoistic America first kind of thing? I think you could if you like, like like that. Yeah, if you speak this out, we give them money. Are they grateful? Yeah, no. yeah. They're spiteful. They're hateful. They don't respect us. No, let's surprise them, man. Let's just drop it. Pulverize them. You know, like, so if you want to, if you wanted to say it like a Nuremberg speech, you could get some people fired up. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, uh, and it's, it is like, like all good, like all really good satire and like, and like the best lies, there's a hint of truth in it, right? Just a, there's just a grain of truth in it that you, that you read a little bit of that and a little part of the back part of your brain goes, yeah, man, what the hell? Yeah, you know it's pretty crowded. We're, yeah. You know, we're, 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 we're the big dogs on the block. Let's just, let's just, let's just go crack some skulls. Right. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it caters to, it caters to everybody's worst instincts. Um, but that's, I think that's part of what makes good satire is that 
it's not completely out of the realm of possibility and you know it's satire but is it really in in some ways if you don't if you don't know randy newman you don't know it's very andy kaufman-esque it's very it's very mm-hmm. is this real or not right uh, how sh- how how seriously should i be taking this uh, i don't know right and i think i think my fa- i think my personal favorite line is is um is boom goes london boom parry right i like it just because the way he says it in the song it sounds like he's dropping a bomb and it's just it's celebratory right oh, yeah. boom goes london boom <laughs> parry fireworks I, I like it it's a fireworks show yeah man it it is and, um, pretty nutty from what you said earlier that that it was written like so long ago and just how he could have dropped this yesterday and it would work yeah, i mean he, this was this was written very shortly after tet right after the tet offensive so i think that's that's that was the the political air in the, at the time was tet was vietnam and the tet offensive um and and Dr. Strangelove it's just as relevant man just as relevant I think the only difference is I don't know about your kids my kids don't worry about nuclear annihilation I don't think it's on their mind I think they're worried about it's not like when we were growing up and you know especially me and Lucas we grew up next to missile command we knew we were first in line to go well most most people don't necessarily think of this or even know this but growing up in LA LA is filled with air raid sirens and that when I was younger they used to have air raid drills uh, and in the neighborhood those things would wind up and you guys would do a duck and cover drill in school and it would and it was a weird periodic thing I haven't heard them in decades but they're out there well, you know, we have our tornado sirens every Saturday, and it's always a thrill when when someone from out of state comes to visit, because at noon, all those sirens go off, and if we haven't prepped them, <laughs> what is going on? Oh, you mean they, they test them every Saturday? We test our tornado sirens every Saturday at noon. All right. I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty wild if you've never heard it before. Yeah, and those tornado sirens are no joke, man. I remember those growing up in Huntsville. When they go off, it, it, it gets your attention. Yep. They've gotten so good, though. We've got 10 minutes warning now. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, used to be you had 30 seconds. Now it's so good. Okay, I had to ask one question about the style that he sings this in. And, and, and y'all have more of a musical background than me, so you can help me out here. Um, as I was listening to the covers that, that I shared with you, I felt a lot of people dropped the ball by being a little too bombastic with this, that they're like we clash symbols during Boom Goes London or Boom Prairie. Uh, and, and in this version, he seems very matter of fact about it. His mm-hmm. singing style seems very gentle. I, you know, it's funny. I actually, and maybe I'm overthinking this, but knowing That's Randy. That's all we do his, on Wheel of Randy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe knowing Randy and knowing his musical history and knowing his his sort of royalty status in 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 the musical world, he and his family, I, I think his choice of of ragtime and sort of a ragtime feel to to a lot of his music is is inherently inherently political, um, and and is inherently a statement about about politics and race relations and and how the United States has. Has has grown up, 
um, his orchestration, his engineering, his arrangement, everything about it is is very New Orleans, very, very ragtime. And that music, at least for me, <clears throat> you can't hear that music without thinking of race relations and what, without without it being inherently politically charged. Um, and and then and then him adding his sort of deadpan, his his deadpan singing style and his very sort of matter of fact singing style on top of it, I think has always been just genius how how he deals with that stuff. Um, and I think that um, I think that a lot of people when they cover him, it's super he's a super, super difficult guy to cover because his his playing, he's a very talented piano player. And his singing style is almost like the the closest thing. I, this is going to be a weird sort of a weird relation, but the closest thing I can think of is is Joni Mitchell or Billie Holiday, in that they have they have a singing style that is immediately identifiable and impossible to copy. Um, and and he's like that. And I think like Natalie Merchant goes torch song with it, and Pedro the Lion goes straight with it. It's a yeah. very very difficult song to. To cover because if you try to sound like randy you're just going to sound silly because yeah. only randy sounds like randy so i, I don't know I, I wouldn't know how i would cover it other than just you just try to do your best doug no, i've i've, I've dropped the billy nor i've dropped the billy holiday bomb you know you're you're, you're <laughs> you got to pick it up man you know i i think covers is a, is a whole other mm. podcast probably that you could do that are just covers podcasts I, I i listen to the originals and i can appreciate the uh the covers the list that you sent was great apparently there's a wilco cover out there i've never heard of this song i don't know if it's easy there's to a, find there's a wilco cover of this Far Wil, okay. wilco plays this song um but i, I I really just, I think that Randy does it best. Uh, and as most, I guess, artists, if you like their, their songs, that you like their one the best. But I, I don't listen to the covers too much. I listen to the originals. Last comments on political science before we move on. Well, my, my only comment, and we haven't covered nor spend much time covering, is that I think that uh, I have to tip a hat and give a measure of respect for the musicians that uh, Randy surrounds himself with because he's a piano player, but his albums are filled with orchestration uh, and and solid engineering, and he's got great people on this album uh, that, I mean, from Ry Cooter to Russ Tittleman, all the way through everyone surrounding him. So he's got a, he's got a, a knack for putting really, really good music, proper uh, people around him supporting uh, his vision of what he wants. Because um, it's, it's, it's not a Randy and piano album or song. Nope. So. I think it's amazing that, um, that he was able to, that with his uncles and with the lineage that he has in Hollywood, I think it's amazing that the guy was able to create his own sound and be his own be his own man and his own composer in spite of the, in spite of the lineage. Huh. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's just, that's just my take. That's just my take on it. And he's able to craft his own sound and bring his own musicians and Doug's right. I mean, he surrounds himself with the best, but he manages to surround himself with the best while still maintaining such a, such a distinctive feel and style. He's, he's unique. Uh, you said it earlier, um, about Billy Joel and Randy Newman that I, I suppose it takes a bit of bravery to admit you're a fan. Um, I don't have any problem 
in the fandom department, but it's partially because I just think he is so unique. There isn't anyone else like him. Uh, he stands alone on his own little uh, piano stool there as Randy Newman, and um, I think that's just fine. I dig it. All right. There's a whole, there's a whole thing happening here, Doug. You get, do you see his screen? I do, yeah. All right. Right. It's time to spin the wheel and see where we land. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. You take Dang. it, Doug. Stop. Okay. Have Thank you got you. that one before, or do you always do new ones? We haven't done this one before. Let, let's pull it up. Guys, we've got every time it rains. Gosh, I'm... This is off of Bad Love, I think. Um, I will. Well, regardless, we will we will send a link uh, for our audience too. Uh, but let let's pull this up and, and and listen to this live, and then audience, we will be back in a few minutes to talk about this song. Bet my money on a Bobtown drag all the do yeah. day. And we are back. Lovely. Uh, I'm gonna. I am so happy that we the wheel fell on that song because for the listeners of this episode, you just had the juxtaposition of uh, what could be considered a funny satirical uh, version of Randy Newman's career. And I'll go out on a limb here and say one of the greatest love songs ever written. What a voice! almost made me cry i love that song it's beautiful nice man i was i was i i was gonna go like musical criticism of it but you just you you did a i i'm not gonna do it that's a great way to end it i mean that's a beautiful beautiful song and and, and for those who are interested there's a great joe cocker cover of that one that i have heard before but randy's voice is is just one of these uh unheralded storytelling uh you know personas and he can weave a tale of longing or loss as well as anyone full stop you know this this whole album bad love is 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 about you know lost love and and heartbreak uh and i'd always assumed that it coincided with his divorce but not so this came out in 99 and his divorce was in 85 yeah, it's it's not his blood on the tracks. Yeah, yeah. I think this is I think this is the first album that he did like after after he went deep into the scoring world and then I think this is the first like sort of songwriting album that he did after a while. Well, he deep in the scoring world but he also devoted years to Faust, which I love right. and Faust just flopped. <clears throat> which by the way, Doug and I had tickets Doug and I had tickets with our wives to see um, a, a, a staging of Faust. What in L.A. In, LA in May? That was uh, that was in a very Faustian vibe. Was uh, canceled by COVID. Yeah. I, I, I my uh, my niece is trying to make it on Broadway, and I, I got her on to Faust. I was like, yeah, this 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 is what Broadway could have been. <laughs> I was, we were, we were super psyched to see it. It was a staging. It was a two night staging of Randy Newman's Faust. 
Wow. And uh, we were going to see it, and it was going to be a, it was going to be awesome. And then uh, and then COVID hit. I had kind of resigned that I would never see that, that I would have to to produce it myself for that to happen. That yeah. that yeah, and Bad Love came out. You know, it was his first one in quite a while, and that was you know after the scoring had had picked up and and after it, after it Faust had done a number to him. It, it was actually, though, again, I'll repeat myself, but that was a perfect balance of uh, if you really wanted to get Randy Newman in, in two songs, that's you could choose other ones, but you couldn't choose better ones. Yeah. That's well, well said. Yeah. So that's every time it rains and uh, the wheel has been kind to you. Some, <laughs> sometimes the wheel is cruel, uh, but you okay. must have done something right. So Dan, I got to ask in your in your lead up in your lead up to doing the show, you said there was a very clear no rednecks rule. Dan doesn't talk about rednecks. Is that just because that's too easy and it's too it's too it would be too easy for the show to get super vitriolic if you went there? I I've decided that rednecks is my running joke because you're now the fifth guest that's tried to poke me in, into talking about it. Dan doesn't talk about rednecks. Uh, no, I don't. I actually yeah, don't want you to my, talk my, about my song. I want you to talk about your reason why you say no rednecks. My rule <clears> on <throat> rednecks. Dan doesn't talk about Fair enough, dude. Yeah, that's that's a that's a righteous explanation. I'm I'm for it. Next item is called this week's cover. This week's cover. Oh, cool. And normally we just do a cover of the song that 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 my my guest has picked. But as you know, political science is just a candy store of covers. And so I have put together a Spotify playlist of 15 covers of political science. And we are going to, to uh, share that you know, in bits and pieces on Twitter. And we may, we may have a, a March Madness type poll to see who the champion of the, the political science cover is. Uh, but... Uh, I will send a link to that Spotify playlist uh, on our Twitter. We've got, counting Jennifer Holiday, we've got 16 covers of political science, and they run the gamut from, from, from you know, Jennifer's gospel feel all the way to a, a charming young man from Holland who has done it in Dutch and uh, has, has, has done a, a lovely job of it. But... Uh, this week's cover is supersized this week, guys. So dive into it. Sweet. All right. Thank you guys so much. How can, how can people get hold of you? Uh, how can, can people, you know, continue the conversation? Uh, I'll make uh, it easy for my part. You can't find me, but you can find Lucas. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> Doug's not a very, Doug, Doug's not a very uh, <clears throat> call me kind of guy. <laughs> he is, but just not on the internet. There you um, go. 
Uh, I'm at Lucas. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, probably the easiest way is lucas.wilson at gmail. And we look forward to to seeing many more many more virtual concerts in the future. Hopefully, you can can complete the experience, and I can have uh, people talking o- o- on both sides of me during the entire show. Hey, and also, it's not completely outside the realm of possibility, and because. Doug and I keep this in our brain. It's not outside the realm of possibility that we will do Randy Newman one day. And if we do, we will make sure we get you out here to see Randy. Oh, that'd be fantastic. We'll, we will make it a personal mission to get you out here to see Randy if we do Randy. Well, you know, I, I speak for all of the Randy fandom that, that we wish him a speedy recovery. He's, he's, he's had a rough year medically. So yep. let's hope he bounces back. Thank you. Thank you very kindly, Dan, for having this podcast and for having us on it. And uh, it is also not outside the realm of possibility that we're in your neck of the woods one day doing a show because we've been all around Oklahoma and and the South and uh, there just may be a show that's that's there. And if we're there, you are more than welcome uh, to come and join us and check us out backstage. Fantastic. All right. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you later. You take care. Be well. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Bye. Bye. for another week here at Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Thanks to Matt Fraley for our theme song. You can find Matt's music at moternmedia.com. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. Best way to reach Brian is on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. The background music we're listening to right now is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids, and I'm using it because it's public domain. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. That's me. That's what I do during the day. I am a water and sewer engineer. I'm registered in Oklahoma and Texas. I'll register in your state if you ask nicely enough. Most of what I do is small town water and sewer engineering, but I specialize in hydraulic modeling. I build computer models for water systems, and that can help you plan your water systems more efficiently, and it can also help you with your homeowner's insurance. If you're a city official, you need a water model. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634, and we would be happy to talk to you. We'll see you next week. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.